Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the State Tax Show. I'm Matt Hunsaker. The Texas Controller recently released some controversial amendments to its sourcing rules. Today, we discuss what this means for taxpayers inside and outside Texas. A few of you have asked why I haven't done a top 10 list for 2020 SALT issues, or even a top 10 list of things to look out for in 2021. Well, that is partly due to just being lazy, but also because there have been no less than 200, maybe even a million, articles on top 10 issues for SALT in 2020 and beyond, and I figure fatigue may be setting in. Plus, it's February, so I think that window has passed. But since it seems important to you, I'll put a note on my programming calendar to do one at the end of this year. Or who knows, maybe I'll get crazy and do one mid-year. Early on in my career, I spent about two years working on a Texas franchise tax sourcing case. And that case pretty much consumed all of my time during those two years. It actually went up to the Texas Supreme Court. Being a young feller at the time, I didn't get to argue the case. But I did get to argue for the government in the moot court that we held in preparation for oral arguments. In fact, I got to argue against a former chief justice of the court who handled the arguments for our client. That was pretty fun, and as a result of that long project, I knew those sourcing rules forward and backward. So you can imagine I was a little sad to see the controller recently amend them. I mean, now I have to get back up to speed again. But the silver lining here is that these rules will produce a lot of litigation, so maybe they will eventually be my ticket back to the Texas Supreme Court. Let me run down the most notable changes. And for those of you tuning out because you don't pay tax in Texas, well, get your head back in the game. This is a perfect example of administrative drift towards market-based sourcing, which is an issue nationwide. Well, at least as long as we have states that don't legislatively adopt market-based sourcing. And let's start with that topic. Texas sources receipts to the location where the service is performed. That's what the statute says. So that begs the question, where is a service performed? According to the controller's revised rule, and this is a quote here, a service is performed at the location of the receipts producing end product act or acts. If there is a receipts producing end product act, the location of other acts will not be considered, even if they are essential to the performance of the receipts-producing acts. Bit of a mouthful there. And you're not going to find this receipts-producing end product act anywhere in the statute. It was born, as near as I can tell, 
in an administrative hearing from way back in 1980. The problem with this receipts producing end product act test is that it often results in essentially market-based sourcing. An example is the Sirius XM litigation that is potentially going before the Texas Supreme Court. I did a podcast oh, probably around this time last year, maybe a few months after, when the case was decided at the Court of Appeals. And in that case, the Court of Appeals adopted the controller's Receipts Producing End Product Act test and held that SiriusXM does not perform its services at the locations where it produces and distributes this content, but instead at the location where its chipsets decrypt the satellite signal. So essentially the court says the Receipts Producing End Product Act is decrypting the signal, which seems a little strange to me. I think the case was wrongly decided and doesn't follow the statutory requirement to look at where the service is performed. And I think that most practitioners, at least in my very unscientific survey, have the same opinion. But for the most part, I'm going to just bite my tongue on Sirius for a bit. I have some strong feelings, and we can dig into those when the case goes final, assuming it goes up to the Texas Supreme Court. But it's pretty curious to me that the controller, after all these years, has adopted its litigation position in the regulation instead of waiting for the court to potentially resolve the issue. I will say in all fairness that I commend the controller's office for trying to clarify what has always been a tricky issue, but I just wish that the rule was more in the spirit of the statute, though I guess reasonable minds can and do disagree on that. One of the issues I have with the new rule is that it will be a change from how a lot of taxpayers have been filing. And the controller's office has taken the position that it's a clarification of existing law and not a new law or a change of law. So it will have what the taxpaying community considers retroactive application. How about advertising services? Well, those services get their own rule. Receipts from advertising get sourced to the location of the advertising audience. So not where the advertising company does anything, but where the client's target customers are located. And we can quibble about whether that is market-based sourcing, but it sure has some of the hallmarks of it. Interestingly, the rule is prospective for radio and TV advertising, where before 2021, you could use the location of the transmitter. The history behind that is pretty rich, but definitely beyond today's scope. Speaking of hallmarks, back in 2016, the Texas Supreme Court held that when you calculate your apportionment factor denominator, that's the number on the bottom of the fraction, you exclude net losses from capital assets and investments. That was the Hallmark case. Now, you might need to jot this down on paper, but kicking the losses out of the denominator makes it bigger. I mean, you're getting rid of negative receipts, essentially. A bigger denominator means a smaller apportionment factor, so this is generally a good thing for taxpayers. 
I won't go into the case, but it hinged on a very technical reading of the statute. And that technical basis for excluding net losses from the denominator is not in the statute that tells you how to calculate the apportionment factor numerator. But the controller's office has taken the position that if you kick stuff out of the denominator as a net loss to have symmetry, you also have to exclude Texas source net losses from the numerator. And that, of course, increases the numerator, making the apportionment factor greater. And typically, that's bad. Well, the controller has put that policy in the new regs, giving the policy a credibility boost. But that said, this will most certainly be litigated. One of the other related changes the controller made was how you figure out what net loss you are to exclude from the numerator and denominator. In the past, a taxpayer netted gains and losses. And if the net amount was a gain, well, it went into the apportionment factor. But if the net amount was a loss, it got kicked out. Well, the controller's rule now, and by now I mean for years starting in 2021, requires taxpayers to kick out all lost transactions without netting them against gains. Now, aside from being a pain in the neck, having to track this on a transaction-by-transaction transaction basis, this is neither taxpayer-friendly nor unfriendly as a theoretical matter. It really comes down to your mix of in-state versus out-of-state transactions and your mix of gains and losses. It could really go either way. If you didn't follow that, it's okay. A friend of mine just accused me and other tax lawyers of practicing, quote, voodoo witchcraft. And after giving that ex explanation of the new capital asset and investment rules, well, I can start to see his point. Does seem a bit like witchcraft. There are a few other odds and ends of the new rule. You know, there's special rules for internet hosting, which are sourced to the location of the customer. <clears throat> Market-based sourcing. And the rule gives us a broader interpretation, at least I think, of what constitutes internet hosting. There are also some changes to sourcing sales of computer hardware with embedded software and digital properties. But I'm not going to talk about those today. Instead, I'll wrap those items into an upcoming update on digital products. I think the main point of today's episode is that if you do business in Texas, you need to stop and take a look at how the new rules may fundamentally change how you source your receipts. Well, that's it. I'll be back next Monday with a new episode. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.